Incoming transmission from the Babylon Project. Welcome to the Babylon Project, our last best hope for trash. This is a rewatch podcast for Babylon 5, featuring two veterans of the show and one newbie. I am your newbie host, Justin, and here to help me along are my co-hosts, Jude and Anna. Jude, Anna, it's a functional government. So, in Model Interstellar Alliance, that is going to be in high in the high schools of the 23rd century. What is the nerdiest nation that people will roleplay as? I mean, do we want to do it on three? Because I assume you and I have the exact same answer. I mean, it's the Minbari, right? I was going to go with the game, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. You get to cosplay is... seriously for it. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like you need to. You know, they probably have like a seriously different society, right. being like fucking bug people or something, um, and like they. You know, you've got you could have lots of like cosplay things with like the voice synthesizer and like that like weird rod thing. Yeah, but that's like okay. The game are like the Lithuania of the UN. Like they're there. Yes, like I said, nerdiest. Well, but okay, so I guess we we're interpreting nerdiest differently. Nerdiest like decide this like where's the culturally authentic but would you really wear this in the UN costume nerdiest or nerdiest like can recite the UN charter front and back better than most UN diplomats can nerdiest? I'm going with the latter. I'm going with the latter here. Oh, see, yeah, no, I'm going with the one that's like the biggest like political nerd. And I feel like that would be the Minbari nutter who wants to, who, who grew up reading all of Delenn's speeches and like, Wants to be just like Delenn when they grow up, and obviously. But I'm I'm going I'm going with like you know the the, the nerd who like really likes obscure, like oh they're too cool for the Minbari. I see. They're gonna right, try and take right. over like, the model the model ISA with a minor country, with a minor <laughs> exactly. Okay, no I yeah okay yeah. I'm on board. You've convinced me. That's that that my my question though is who's gonna play the Drazi? <laughs> Ooh. That's heavy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, some macabre motherfucker is like. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the Drazi's got to go to like, you know, somebody who's like, you know, the the jock or something oh, yeah. like that, right? Like, yeah, all they have to do is like go there and be like, Green Leader. <laughs> green Leader says, yeah. checks notes. Green. Yeah. All right. Uh, tonight we are doing. Season four, episode 21, Rising Star, uh, written by this guy you may have heard of, JMS, directed by Tony Dow, who's done a few of these. Our episode begins in a hilariously macabre, ooh, that was, that was Midwestern, macabre, uh, begins in a hilariously <laughs> macabre ISN report featuring footage of Clark's sheet-covered body adorned with a Sharpie on paper traitor sign that has been taped to it it's first of all <laughs> why would you show that on tv 
You just have a corpse covered in a sheet on TV. And then you just put like, you just write traitor on a sheet of printer paper. Like just in case anybody's wondering where the traitor is. It's not this. It's not over here. It's this body in the chair. Just to be sure. Hey, everybody, everybody in ISN just got out of jail. They're probably feeling Jude, real punchy Jude, right now. I just want to like say it is considered, you know, appropriate and like it's very helpful to have a public restroom marked. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, if I, it, it looks really kind of doofy. I particularly like the part where the guy holds up the, the paper and he's like, eh, eh, scorched earth. Like, it's very silly. Um, the report, the reporter goes on to explain over a paparazzi style shot of Sheridan uh, in a conference room that Sheridan has surrendered to explain his actions. Uh, Acting President Luchenko emphasizes the need to identify the willing participants of Clark's regime versus those who did so out of fear. Both sides. Uh, As the report ends, we see Franklin rushing back to B5, willing his white star to go faster. And on B5, the medtechs discover Marcus and Ivanova. Franklin arrives and is briefed on the walk by another doctor. They found Marcus all but dead. How's Ivanova, he asks. Is she stable? After a fashion. That fashion, it appears, is fucking grief-stricken and traumatized. Franklin finds her in med lab, huddled on the floor outside outside of the operating chamber where Marcus lays in state. Uh, Their conversation is heartbreaking, and for once I am not going to dunk on Franklin. I don't think he's the most graceful a person could be in that moment, but... Uh, he is at least a version of kind and empathic in that moment. Uh, it's the worst. She admits that she knew he loved her as she tries to verbalize some of her sorrow and was afraid to acknowledge it. Uh, she also says she could have at least boffed him, which is the most incongruous <laughs> uh, use of English slang uh, I've ever heard. And But it works. Like The whole scene is Claudia Christensen just fucking kills that scene. And they they both are amazing yeah. in that scene. Yeah. Uh, the next scene represents one of the most wild tonal swings in television. Going from Ivanova's sorrow to Londo teasing Jakar in a way that is friendly, verging on flirtatious about Narns being quick in bed. I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, this episode. This is not a bit. This episode is so much. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is not me being me. This is... How it is written. He's even patting his sides where his tentawangs are while he's doing it. It's like something out of a fan fiction I definitely did not write. (laughs) Then the two of them are scolding Veer in unison like an old married couple. It's so good. It's shipper catnip. Like this this is where this is where the the Jakar and Londo ship starts. Yeah. Like it's 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 assuming it wasn't. This is the hurricane that that puts it out that throws it out of the harbor full sail uh for sure yeah because this is this is like where they they fully where you can fully get on board with enemies to i lovers. think that yeah. like there's some stuff earlier in the season that's building this bridge but yeah it is it is full steam ahead here yeah uh veer is there to tell londo that he's been chosen to be the next emperor londo looks fucking bummed <laughs> it's really funny even veer is like you look really disappointed and londo's like Fuck off. Don't worry about it. Uh, We'll deal with it later. 
back on Earth, Bester saunters in during what I imagine is like a lunch break. I don't know. Sheridan's just sitting in this conference room, like, hanging out. They chat about Bester's role in Garibaldi's shenanigans, uh, the death of Edgar's. Uh, but then they get to the real meat and potatoes of Bester's visit. He wants to know if they used the woman he groomed, I mean, his girlfriend, in the sh- fleet action. He makes a bunch of stupid threats, uh, which come off as super pathetic. I don't know if that was the intention uh, that JMS was going for, to make Bester look like like a schoolyard bully threatening to beat you up, like right outside of the principal's office. Like, I don't know what he was going for here, but geez, Al, like, could you sound more pathetic? Fuck. Sheridan is equally unimpressed. He's like, you think I care about dying right now? Like, fuck off, man. Jesus Christ. He unequivocally (laughs) tells Bester to get fucked before finally telling Bester that she's still on B5 and that as he's leaving, Bester should watch his back because Garibaldi's probably going to kill him. Speaking of Baldi, now that he's free of Bester's mind tampering, he's acting like a normal, healthy... (laughs) No, I can't do it. Uh, He's brutalizing the civilian, the pig. He's tracking Lee's the woman he who has repeatedly rejected him over and over. Those two things mean the same thing. Still going to say it. Uh, and he, But he uh, nonetheless treats her like property, and he believes that this mob lackey he's brutalizing has the info he wants. So he beats the dude and then threatens him into telling him what he wants to know. Good old Capibaldi. We missed you. Not. I mean, compared to QAnon Garibaldi, <laughs> I guess... Relatively speaking, lesser evil. I don't know. Is straight yeah. pro- is is straight up police brutality like more entertaining slash less offensive than QAnon Garibaldi? I don't know. I I'm not six of one, half dozen of the other. I mean, he's not even he's not even like he's not even police brutality right now. He's just enough. He, he's resigned. He's just Batmaning the shit up. He's just he's just civilian brutality. Is he though? Let's, we'll find out. On B5, Delenn is proposing a big idea, capital B, capital I, to Londo and Jakar. Londo's reaction is very good. Uh, he just laughs, like busts into cackles. Delenn is all prepared to be offended. And he's like, no, I just, you know, standing in this historical moment. And I'm just like, my mind is blown. I'm just losing my shit. Cause it's like, how often are you in the middle of a historic moment? Uh, at which point all of the all of the members of the League of Non-Aligned Worlds come in and his only his comment to them is like, I hope you brought fresh underwear like <laughs> this. This new Londo is like such a fucking doofus. It's really weird. Like they really have done a lot of work to make you forget that he's also like uh, complacent in war crimes, like really egregious ones. But I guess, you know, whatever. Well. Not, I don't want to go there right now. <laughs> On Earth, EarthGov has finally finished deliberating what to do with Sheridan. Acting President Luchenko comes in to talk to Sheridan and gives him the skitty. She chats him up and she's like trying to be friendly and, and jocular, but she's also like threatening him the whole time. It's a weird vibe. And then she gives him the political truth. She's calling a press conference at which he, he's ordered to resign in exchange for his pension as if he gives a shit. And amnesty for his crew and staff, which is clearly the the, the real carrot that she's offering him. Uh, the stick is the alternative, is a court-martial and trial for him and everyone else. You have no other options, she says, as if he didn't come here voluntarily 
with a fuck off big interstellar inter imperial. I don't know what even the word for it is. Multi civilizational fucking fleet hovering over the planet, ready to to conquer (laughs) Earth if they fuck about with his with their leader. Like, where do you get off threatening Sheridan, you fucking idiot? Jesus Christ. Uh, she's got some serious big dictator energy here. Um, he asks for amnesty for his cl- crew in writing, then agrees to resign. Back on <laughs> Mars, Capabaldi continues his deeply ethical investigation by requisitioning an entire squad of rangers to do his dirty work. Uh, I'm sure he used totally valid justifications and went through proper channels to get that done. All to help him find his fucking ex-girlfriend. Along the way, he uses a flashbang with a Daffy Duck soundtrack. Uh, I have no comment. That honestly was funny for me. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, and and it's not Daffy Duck. It's Porky Pig. Fuck, that's right. It is Porky Pig. It's, it's, that's all folks. And that is, that is legitimately a funny thing to have a flashbang do. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the flashbang goes off and then like, not a couple rangers, not two or three rangers, like fucking 15 rangers blow the wall down, come down through the ceiling. So in response to your question, is he a cop? <laughs> I don't know. But he's rolling with the galaxy's new fucking like cop squad and a, like a bunch of them. So kind of feels like a cop. He finds Lise and she's like, I know you'd come to save me. And he's like, yeah, baby. And they they get out of there. And I hate it. The whole fucking scene is stupid. Moving on. On her way to Earth, Delenn and Lanier reflect on the historicity, historicness. I don't know how to make that an adjective uh, of the day. <laughs> Whatever it is she's up to has been accomplished. They reflect on the death of Marcus and Ivanova's words about all love being unrequited. Delenn is either an idiot or chooses to ignore Lanier's obvious allusions to the fact that he is in love with her. Uh, I'm going to go with the latter of those two things. At the press conference the next day, the president gives a vaguely threatening, by which I mean very earthy, speech, then gives Sheridan the podium. He does as ordered and resigns with a very short but reasonably eloquent speech. Thought it was nicely done. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Following him, Jakar is invited up to speech. I fucking love that they get Jakar for this. He gets up and announces the disillusion. <laughs> you're saying it like you're saying it like, oh, I'm so glad they were able to they were able to book him. It's hell this kind of year on the on the talk circuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he gets up and announces the disillusion of the League of Non-Aligned Worlds and the creation of an alliance of worlds, inspired by the way humans form communities. Fucking callback. Bringing back that whole humans form communities plot that we said was kind of stupid, but he kind of sells it, was. it here. Yeah. But he kind of yeah. sells it here in in this bit here. Yeah. It kind of works. Yeah. It was dumb then, it's dumb now, but it works. <laughs> this is Delance's historic moment, and I love that Jakar gets to announce it because Jakar has been from the beginning, once he started turning towards this new path he's on. His thing has been through serving others, we, we uplift ourselves. Jakar is like the model case for the, the ethos of the ISA. And I fucking love it. Then Delenn gets up and details just a few detail things about how the ISA is going to work. Like, you know, 
the Rangers. And while she's unveiling the existence of the Rangers to all of Earth since they're being broadcast on ISN, in the biggest fucking flex, an entire goddamn fleet of White Stars <laughs> do a flyover wherever it is that they're doing this, this press conference, shaking the whole goddamn building and filling it with this Vorlon-esque, Shadow-esque flyby noise. Visibly- It's got to have that president-like- Shitting yeah, your pants. Visibly terrifying the president. I love it. I love it's... that the is just like, that's what you get for threatening my man, bitch. Fuck off. <laughs> she details their responsibilities and limits, how they operate on the borders. They don't fu- they don't tell anybody how to run their own space, but if you come into any, you know, in if anywhere where there's a border or or international spaces, so to speak, blah, blah, blah. And then invites Earth to join. Later in in the president's office. The president interrogates Jakar, Londo, and Delenn about the alliance and what she gets out of joining. Delenn offers Minbari artificial gravity as an incentive, but then drops the bomb. They are the advisory board to the ISA's duly elected president. The leader of the ISA is Sheridan. <laughs> How did she not see that coming? So, I I just like, the the thing, the, 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 maybe it's just because I was just like, this is, this is the whole I live in now. But it's like the the, same, the reaction I have is like that Vince McMahon tearing off like uh, like his hood and saying, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's basically how I feel about this. It's, <laughs> it's very good. Uh, I love that the general, the very next, it cuts. They don't say his name, but it cuts directly to a general like busting in on Sheridan, who is and into that conference room where Sheridan is just like sitting with his feet up, <laughs> like, like just fucking chilling. maximal smug. He's just like vibing. Yeah, yeah, maximally smug. And he's like, "Where's the amnesty agreement?" And he's like, "What that thing that I like gave copies of to all of the press and then hid? Not like it matters. What are you gonna do? Fucking back out after the entire goddamn." Earth solar system has seen you offer me amnesty all because I got elected to a political position you have no control over, but you find inconvenient. Fuck off. <laughs> Whatever. Going to rein it in and continue. The ge- Yeah. So the general barges in, Sheridan is smug, blah, blah, blah. As he's leaving Earth Dome, first he meets up with Delenn and they have a nice little reunion. And then he, surprise, surprise, he, he sees his dad, which is a fucking great scene. We'll talk about that later, but it's great. He's so excited to see his dad. They have such good chemistry. I love it. The episode closes with another ISN report. Earth, it turns out, will join the Alliance, kind of. It's not clear that it's going to work with the Alliance. Like, it doesn't outright say they'll join the Alliance, but I think they do. It's like America with every actual, with every, like, inter- international treaty they're in. They're like, they're like two-thirds in. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just the tip. Sheridan forces Earth's hand on the Mars and colonial freedom question, like live on ISN, which is pretty good. Ivanova, meanwhile, uh, has been promoted to captain and given a new job. She's going to be taking command of one of the new Excalibur class. No, Warlock ships. class. Or sorry, yes, one of the new Warlock class ships on a one-year shakedown cruise. The ISN report concludes with speculation on Sheridan and Delenn's wedding. As Londo and Jakar watch from aboard a white star. There's nothing about Garibaldi. Nothing. The end. Finn. 
Yeah, it's there's one last thing with Jakara. Oh, oh yes, out. he's eating uncooked rice. I figured we'd yeah. get there, but so, we can talk so about we, it now. Let's talk about that entire oh, scene. No, that too. Let's talk about I, this I entire the scene. So first I, of yes. all, like this yes, is Yes, I left out Jakar being a fucking pervert. No, 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 no. no. We've me. got so much Oh my that is like third on my list of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about this last scene. So so, so let's set it. So the Jakar and Londo or yeah, Jakar and Londo are in a white star. Yeah, uh, they're in like a little conference room. They've got the ISN report. Yeah, they're up. at the, the, the they're at the white the white star. They, they are they're chilling with like their feet up, relaxing. It's like yes. they have like a very like it's post uh, Sheridan and Delenn's wedding. Um, yeah, they they are both like clearly tired out. Jakar's eating uncooked rice. Yes, he's <laughs> eating the wedding rice that people were throwing, and he's very confused. A why humans eat it. But they were throwing it, so he figured it must be for people to eat because they were throwing it around. His train of logic here is, like, solid, but also and meanwhile, insane. And meanwhile, Londo has, like, the opposite logic, which is, like, if it's so good, then why were they throwing yeah. it? Yeah. Their whole... It's clearly trash. Um, and then, in the, while they're talking, Londo says, of, like, uh, talking about Dillette and Sheridan, hold on, hold on, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Mr. Garibaldi, quite the couple, aren't they? And it's like, it's with the way where it's like, you've got like this old gay couple at like a wedding reception who are just there to talk trash about everyone else. But they're all like, but they're like, they're three drinks in and they're just like, you know, that could be us. And and it's like it has that exact energy. Like one of them is like one of them is so ready to propose. Yeah. And then there's the detail that gets weird, which is that one of Jakar's eyes is missing. His cybernetic eye, it's which so was planted, good. which which it was planted at the beginning of this season, can remotely broadcast is not there. And this is what Where it was leading is- to. Where is that eye? It's in fucking Sheridan and Delenn's bedroom. So many questions. One, why? Two, why? Three, why? Four, how? Five, why? Six, (laughs) why? Jakar. How did they not notice an entire fucking eye on their coffee table? Yeah, it's not even like discreetly hidden. It's just like sitting there. He doesn't like hide it in a knickknack. He's just (laughs) sitting sitting there. there. It's so wrong. I, I refuse to believe that Jakar would actually do this. Moreover, <laughs> I don't understand why he'd do this. I, there, I just don't understand. I'm just surprised that he hasn't figured a way to broadcast it so that Londo can watch too. Yeah, well, yeah, that's fair too. <laughs> uh, it's it's so buck wild. Um, <laughs> this is every time we hit like the start of season four and we get the, the eye, I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God. This is just leading up to Jakar being a giant perv. Yeah. If you had said like, Jakar's removable eye will become a plot relevant thing. And you asked me how <laughs> that was going to happen. This would have never even occurred to my mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably good. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, though, it is not the most horrifying thing about this last denouement of the, of the episode. Are you talking about Garibaldi getting head? I hate that you. I hate that. that yes. 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 <laughs> I'm talking about the absolute worst visual the show has ever produced i have the i have the brain bleach prepared it's so bad uh god i just hate it i hate that 
they they go from like at least acting like a human like what do you want like you're you're a shitty person like what do you want from me to like oh you saved me like let's hop into the sack and like just you know whatever and you know now i'll blow you like god i hate it i hate it god the one time i don't want the show to be hearty <laughs> yes precisely the one time moving it's like it's like 80 percent of the show's horniness has been like pent up for this exact episode like the last five minutes of this exact episode jms was like okay i've i've kept it in for so long and now yeah. and now am i the horniness needs to explode out of am i gonna get a out of the script five? i don't know better put some fucking in okay okay <laughs> so of course garibaldi's the one that that gets like explicitly some stuff going on Sheridan and Delenn just get a nice post-coital cuddle, whereas, you know, Garibaldi's, nope, nope, nope. So, nope, not going to do it. I draw the line. I draw the line there. Let's move on. Yes, moving on to, um, hold on, Zathras, I need you to play a triumphant victory sound. Um, I think you could you could do, like, I don't, I don't know, like, just something with fanfare and brass. Because I fucking called it. I can't believe you called it. <laughs> I not called even it in the general, of a, but in the particular. Because of a Francis fucking Fukuyama quote. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't believe this. I, like, this is like we, me ascending we, to. This is me Daniel Jacksoning up to a next plane of ascension. <laughs> and meanwhile, Jude and I were. We have tried so hard to like not give this away. Yeah, because but as you, it turns out, what you because you because you nailed it. Yeah, you called it completely. Like, yeah, everything you said. The, the only the only thing that you like got wrong is that you thought that it'd be Sheridan doing it when it was like not quite yeah. Sheridan like leading yeah, the charge was, on it. Yeah, but you know it was pretty damn fucking yeah. close. As it yes. turns out, if you're just gonna say like. Hmm. I want to make the end of history into a sci into a sci fi show and prove that all like prove that like uh, all roads will lead to neoliberalism democracy even in the twenty third century. I'll just have Sheridan and Delenn create the fucking federation. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love that. I'm right that it's like as it turns out the end was Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! And then it was Star Trek all along. <laughs> That's really good. Oh man! I'm sorry, but I'm gonna just—I'm like—I'm gonna rein myself in. But I just want to like bask in this and troll. No, that's very good. No, I love that. Like after all his, after all of JMS's protesting about how Star Trek ripped him off, like <laughs> his show turns into the Federation at the end. I think that's very funny. What else do I have? Oh, let's while we're while I mean, we're talking. It's been, it's been a long round getting yes! from there to here. Yeah. Yes. Fuck off. Uh, oh, it's so good. I saw your <laughs> shit eating grin, and I was like, "What? What? What's going on? What's happening here?" Uh, um. Um. Let's go from good mood to good mood and talk about like how good the scene where Sheridan sees his dad is. It's it's so wholesome. What a good hug. For, for, it is. They've never It is a good hug. It is a good hug. Can you believe that they've never actually seen each like they've never actually been in the same room acting together before? 
You wouldn't believe that. You would, yeah. honest to God, if you didn't know better, you would think that they actually got Bruce Boxlentner's dad Yeah, for that scene. Yeah. Honestly, because I would believe that. If somebody told me that that was Bruce Boxlentner's dad, I would have been way, like, yep, The way that, that Boxlentner's voice peaks and breaks when he says dad, like, yeah. like that first time, is like, that is like, yeah, no, that, it's just, it's so good. It's. Yeah. And it's such a good hug. Like, really yeah. good like I feel hug. like we all dream of being hugged like yeah. that. No, it's all of his anxiety about what happened to his parents. Like, he knew that he was putting his 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 parents at risk when he took the station indepe- uh, independent. And then his dad disappeared and the shit with Garibaldi. So all of that is released when he sees his dad. And it's just such a good scene. And then, and then you have like you know the Delenn clearly being like, "Oh, is this going to be a tension thing?" When he's like, "Oh, so you're going to be my new daughter-in-law?" Yeah. And then he's just like, "I love you too, Delenn." Yeah. No, the whole scene is so wholesome. Uh, it's it's great. I can't believe that those actors have such good chemistry together. Yeah. Like it's astounding. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um. What else have I got? Other weird stuff. Oh, I'm reasonably certain. Uh, in the warehouse scene where Garibaldi sends in a bunch of rangers to beat up pe- people uh, to find Lise, that one of the people in that scene is Scott Bayo. <laughs> it looks like, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know what Scott Bayo was doing in 1996 ni- or 1997 or whatever year this fucking season was shot, but I'm pretty sure that he was uh, an extra, a completely uncredited extra on... Uh, Season four, episode twenty-one of Babylon Five. Justin will put the put the screenshot I took on the Twitter, and you can decide for yourself. No, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when this episode airs in like a year, I, I'm down. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's Scott Bale. Fight me. You can I, just like look this up in the episode yourself, listeners, and decide for yourselves. You make your own informed research decision. Yeah. Don't see lie in me. Who who else here feels just like incredibly icky about the telepasticals being released back to the core? I mean, I don't feel great about it that. It depends on who like who they're being sent back to. Sheridan is very vague about like we'll send them back. Yeah, this isn't it. But here's the thing: there's no way those don't get back to the core, right? Right, exactly. And then the core like is going to be like, ooh, technology. Yeah. I have some. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Let's talk about it next week. So, so the the do we want to talk about like the the actual like politicsy type stuff in here? I'd rather talk about Jakar and Londo, but sure. Let's talk about the politics yeah, about how <laughs> about the the president is they find postu- doing a lot of posturing, but really has nothing. They to find stand the on, most or? reactionary person they possibly can. The president being like to sheridan you did the right thing but you did it in the wrong way literally seconds after being like we wanted to do something but there was literally no way we could have taken any form of move and it's like bitch yeah. like uh, like what what's the right way like literally yeah. like you literally said that the sheridan's way is the only way that it could have happened like 30 seconds yeah. ago What's the it's right way? It's that Simpsons joke. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Yeah. My read on her is she probably was a collaborator with Clark and she's just trying to cover her ass. That was my read on her is she 
maybe was not like an active collaborator, but she was like content to let everything yeah. happen. And now she's just trying to make peace and, and cover cover asses. There's, I, I'm assuming that there's like a lot of people who are just being shunted into power now who are rather comfortable, but not actively collaborate, like not like enthusiastically collaborating, just like doing their quote unquote doing their jobs who are just yeah. going to slide the- who are just going to like slide into empty they're gonna pe- they're they're just gonna like slide into vacant positions. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, this is this is another one of those episodes that feels really different to me yeah. rewatching it in 2021. Cause I, I remember the last time I like watched this and I like rolled my eyes so hard at all of the both sides of them being like, this is like patently nuts yeah. that they immediately pivot to the both sides of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like earth is really lucky. They didn't declare external war against anybody else because man, I would have loved to see a war. Like I would have loved to see like, some Nuremberg trials with the Dard presiding or something. Yeah. Like it's, it's the only saving grace here is that the only people who are allowed to judge earth are themselves. Yeah. That's their only saving grace. The political like double talk that she, she runs just like all over the place, like political double talking on Sheridan. She's threatening, like placating. It's clear. She knows. It's like she, she starts off being like, you know, buddy, buddy and stuff ca- kind of being like a little bit buddy, buddy. And then she goes straight into threatening. And then, yeah. Yeah. Here's a, here's my read on because it. it starts off with like, haha, it's so funny. Like all the generals, like, you know, half of them, half of them want to give you a medal and the other half want to shoot you. So clearly the solution is to give you a medal and then shoot you. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that is a, that, that is a choice to make that statement. Yeah. I, my read on on what they're trying to go for with her is like, I think what they were trying to 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 show was that she knew she really didn't have a lot of power over him, and she was like trying to do stuff to him, but like, and and he was he was only there really to secure amnesty for his for any of his staff and and crew that wanted to go back home to Earth, but it yeah. doesn't it comes across as her like actually thinking that she's in control of that situation mm-hmm. when it becomes very clear as soon as Jakar starts talking that she has no, con- like earth has no power in this situation. Yeah. Um, but I, I just and love Sheridan's just waiting at the clock in that conference room. Yeah. I love that when Delenn starts talking and the, the fucking white stars go over and I love that the sound the white stars make in Atmo is like, it sounds more like a shadow ship. Than it really should. Uh huh. And I'm just like, yeah, fear, bitches. It's got that little screech. It's like, yeah. it's like the Vorlon noise, but screechier. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because you just know that that's like, there's some real fucking energy there. Uh, and I really like that. Um, it definitely like puts the president in her place there. So when she's like, trying to negotiate like clearly they want earth involved in this alliance but also like you can tell delenn and jakar and londo know that they're they're the ones in power like in the position of power when they're talking to her especially especially since like this whole thing has knocked out a lot of earth's 
like military capability. Earth doesn't have a planetary defense grid anymore. Whoops. Well, not only do they not have a, a, yeah. a defense grid, more than half of their fleet is on Sheridan's side. If Sheridan walks out and says, EarthGov is still essentially Clark minus Clark. I don't think that Sheridan could pull it. I think he'd get a, I think he'd get a percentage of the fleet, but he wouldn't get half the fleet. I, I really think that, that there was, like, it's a thing of, like... He would get he would get like the core few destroyers that joined yeah, him. Yeah, but he at the wouldn't start. get he wouldn't get like the, he wouldn't get anywhere the number that he ended up with. He would get like the Agamemnon and yeah, the fair. Roanoke yeah. and stuff. But yeah, like it, it's because for everybody, it's like oh, Clark was the problem. Clark Clark is gone now, and that's that was basically what Sheridan ran on. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I don't think he'd be able to pull that. Which arguably is why there's the Sharpie sign on the corpse to to really drive home the the scapegoating so to speak of clark as the only problem not that the whole system not that there was like a system systemic issue and her whole thing like give us time to root out the real collaborators from the people that were just afraid like (laughs) yeah i'm sure that's gonna produce a lot of results yeah well uh, the the alliance is so interesting too because it's like i feel like it's a side note of like you know okay earth you know here's the Here's the carrot for joining. Yeah. Um, but also, we want you to join so we can fucking keep an eye on you because you can't be trusted to be a civilized, yeah. you know, planet. Yeah. There's a, there's a big, real big energy of that, of like, you know, our, our members have to obey very simple things like letting their colonies go if they want to go. Yeah. You know, let's talk about, we already talked about this last episode, but we get to come back to it again. Uh salt the wound a little bit and talk about uh, Marcus and Ivanova. <sighs> yeah. The scene with Ivanova and Franklin is a thing. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Claudia Christian really uh, brings the brings the, the big energy on that one and um, delivers it pretty well, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of it, it's it's an, it's a really interesting scene, the way that she's like trying to process her grief there. Mm-hmm. I do like that she says boff. I think that's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very like, it's a, it's a word you do not hear very often. So it's very funny. I'm just like it popping up there. Yeah. And then, and then Franklin's like boff, what the hell? And she's like, Marcus would have said it that way. Yeah, he would have. No, I really like the scene, but it's just so it makes sense why she leaves B5 to me after that. Yeah. A little JMS speaks here. At the end of season four, there are apparently conflicting reports as to how this happened. JMS says that they really wanted Christian to come back. Christian says that she really wanted to come back, but the but they weren't willing to work with her on making her schedule flexible to fit with another project she was working on. Uh, the end result is that she doesn't sign on for season five. It's it's like Terry Farrell in uh, season seven of mm-hmm. DS9. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't blame Claudia Christian for looking for other work when, you know, season five was kind her of a question future, mark. Yeah. Yeah. When her and, you know, not just a question mark, it looked very dismal at the time yeah. for them getting a season five. Like, she had to act based off of her, yeah, you know, Be- best information. Yeah, 
her own her own best interests there and I wish we could have gotten her back for season five though because you know, and Justin you'll see you'll see very quickly you'll see season five and you'll see where it would be amazing if Ivanova were there yeah specifically oh, oh lovely okay is it perhaps the alluded to telepath wars no okay interesting. no Per JMS Speaks, uh, had she chosen to stay, the Marcus Ivanova plotline would have, quote, gone differently. I'm really curious what that means, personally, because he he also goes on to say that, like, obviously, you can't have them both survive. Like, you can't have Ivanova... I think you rewrote the entire plot at that point. <laughs> like, I, I think that's what he yeah. means, is, like, you rewrite, the, you rewrite the plot so you don't have that situation. Yeah. Which I also think we could have had it all. So, and they then you know it could have been a thing where she was injured, but not that, but not that badly or something yeah. along mm-hmm. those lines. But well, I mean, but but then again, you've got Chekhov's Chekhov's uh, alien medical device. So, yep, it's a it's a good question how that would have shaken out. Maybe we'll find out in about six, seven years. <laughs> Um, what else have we got here? Other bits and bobs? The the only Franklin dunking I have on this is when he walks into the room where oh. Ivanova is like sobbing on the floor and is like, you okay? And it's like, no. Uh, clearly, clearly she yeah. is not okay. Well, in fairness, he has no empathy and no like <laughs> morals. So he has no idea whether she, whether someone is okay after they come back from death. And they're the person they were in love with is dead. He he doesn't know what it is to love another person. Just cover them in Mountain Dew flavored lube and have his way with their body. Thank you for that image. June. You're welcome. Now, now my question for that is: um, Did he bring the Mountain Dew flavored lube to Mars to hang out with? Oh, number I one? assume they get all. Is, they get when into he goes, all sorts of freaky stuff. Number one brings the lube. What? <laughs> She's not having that outsourced and imported. She's got her own local ship. Yeah. Plus the shipping rates. I mean, God, it's got to be terribly expensive to ship Baja Blast flavored lube interstellarly. Jesus. The funny thing is, I feel like the Baja Blast flavored lube has to not actually come from Earth. Like, that's got to be like a Centauri thing. Yeah. What if it's what right? if it's like and it Centauri fruit We have experienced the blast, and we have decided to replicate it on our own through various methods, both in beverage flavor and in lube. <laughs> <laughs> I find it terrifying how quickly I can summon that voice. When it's talking about Baja Blast. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm gonna I'm gonna um over while we're gonna I'm gonna go uh order some takeout. <laughs> um other bits and bobs about this episode. Uh the name of this episode, Rising Star, uh Rising Stars, plural, uh is the name of a pretty interesting comic, albeit one that sort of failed to deliver on its initial premise. Uh written by JMS. Um, about superheroes, kids who are exposed or conceived while a comet is in the sky, they get superhero powers or something. I don't know. It was fine. I read the first. This sounds like Umbrella Academy. A little bit. Okay. (laughs) It's, I mean, the first, the first trade is really good. It's, it's fine. I wouldn't go out of your way to read it, but if you like are in the library and it's sitting there, go ahead. 
I've purposefully avoided reading any JMS comics just for the show. <laughs> Not a bad call. Uh, acting president Luchenko is portrayed by a woman, a Russian speaking woman of Polish national origin. Okay. There were a number of different bitchy comments in apparently <laughs> As, about how fake her accent sounded. Uh, oh my God. JMS was at pains to point out that her accent in this episode is her actual natural accent. Yeah. It's one of those things like where you can tell somebody's first language is not English. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, I think it would have been fun to have her be like more of a firebrand type of thing. Like, especially she's coming from the Russian Federation, right? Yeah. That having her be more Ivanova-esque would have been, would have been a lot of fun to watch, yeah. but would not have meshed in with what they were trying to do with yeah. her. Uh, and that's it. I don't have a, you know, this face other than Scott Bayo. It's not Scott Bayo. <laughs> it's Scott Bayo. Um, you can go to hell. It's Scott Bayo. In the meantime, I'll tell you that it was definitely Scott Bayo. <laughs> um, I, that's kind of it. That's all I got. This will be, um, God, I, I'm trying to imagine Justin's reaction to the next episode. Um, well, we're going to find out next week. Um, tune in next time for the deconstruction of falling stars, our 50th episode, as well as your questions being answered. Um, yeah, I, I think we can all. OK, I'm just putting this out here now. We will do listener questions. I will also we will we will have a I think we can do this because this is like the end of like the plan shit, really. This is sort of like the end of like what we're going to call like structured B5 while season five is just going to be like free form. <laughs> he planned it just it's he had to do a lot more. Yeah, it's going to be a little, it it's gonna be a little bit more thing. It's a different thing. So, so we're going to take seasons one through four and we will allow I will allow Anna and Jude to both submit questions for me. Um, as part of this as well. <laughs> and I think I think for our listener questions, of course, of course, by the time we release this, our questions will at, like this would have been way in the past. Because, so I guess this is more of a note for us. Our backlog like our, is a blessing and a curse sometimes. I feel like for questions, we should take both like serious questions about what we thought about the show or like various plot things, etc., and also nonsense questions like we ask um each other at the start of yes. the episode. Okay. Um we're gonna why am I telling you what the procedure is for it? Join us next time for episode fifty. Where we answer the questions that you asked about the deconstruction six months ago. <laughs> of falling stars. Until next time, be seeing you. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license.
Love Recordings.